So we're going to start off by talking about this ARRIVE trial. So what is it? Long story short, the ARRIVE trial was a study that compared elective induction at 39 weeks with expected management of low-risk first-time moms. And the point of this study was to determine whether or not electively inducing women at 39 weeks without a medical indication would result in a lower rate of complications. And in addition, it looked at the impact a 39-week elective induction has on the incidence of C-sections. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the tools, knowledge, and confidence you need to erase the unknowns, feel in control, and have an even better birth no matter how you deliver. My name is Liesl Teen, mom of two, practicing labor and delivery nurse, and your host. From over eight years and counting of working at the bedside, I know that knowledge is the key to an even better birth. So tune in each week to learn about all things pregnancy, birth, and postpartum from me, a labor and delivery nurse that's seen it all. And now let's get into this week's episode. This week on the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, I have COVID. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm actually just getting over COVID. So if I sound like this, I feel like I sound kind of froggy voice. (laughs) That's why. Okay. So it's just, it is what it is. (laughs) But this week on the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, we're going to talk about, guess what? Elective inductions. So inductions, we all know it's a hot topic in the L&D world. Yes, there's just a lot of information floating around, positive and negative, right? It seems like just every person in the world has their own opinion on being induced. I would actually venture out to say that a lot of people get a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth when they hear the word induction and they totally get a bad rap. But I'm here to tell you that it is possible to have a positive and an uncomplicated birth experience with an induction. Trust me, I see it all the time, I promise. So in this episode, I'm going to spend some time with you exploring the ARRIVE trial. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) And we're also going to cover the pros and cons of induction versus spontaneous labor. So without wasting another minute, let's get down to whether or not you should be induced at 39 weeks. All right, let's get ready to talk about inductions. Yeah. So we're going to start off by talking about this ARRIVE trial. So what is it? Long story short, the ARRIVE trial was a study that compared elective induction at 39 weeks with expected management of low-risk first-time moms. Expected management is more of a watch and wait for labor to begin, spontaneous labor, okay, as opposed to inducing labor. And the point of this study was to determine whether or not electively inducing women at 39 weeks without a medical indication, okay, like high blood pressure, diabetes, whatever, would result in a lower rate of complications like fetal macrosomia, lard, having a big old baby, okay, shoulder dystocia, need for episiotomies, 
need for a vacuum or forceps assisted birth. And in addition, it looked at the impact a 39-week elective induction has on the incidence of C-sections. And that's really kind of what most people took away from it. That's what most people talked about, at least. Now, what were the findings of the ARRIVE trial? Number one, it found a significantly lower risk of cesarean birth and no significant difference in composite neonatal complications after elective induction compared to expected management. So that's a whole bunch of fancy language. We're basically saying you actually might have a lower risk of having a C-section if you get induced at 39 weeks. And it also didn't really impact any complications for labor for mom or baby. But there's a big but, okay? This is not a end-all be-all stance, okay? Like just because we now have this, this does not mean that this is now the standard. Everybody gets induced at 39 weeks because there's this, oh my gosh, you know, you can have a lower risk of having a C-section. Let's talk about what ACOG's stance is in relation to the ARRIVE trial. ACOG, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, which is the governing body that oversees and helps OBs, okay, make decisions that help to guide their practice. It's a good, you know, good thing. We already know that there are a handful of reasons out there that a medical induction might be recommended, right? We talked about a few of them, like gestational hypertension, gestational diabetes. If you're preeclamptic, you've got growth issues, you've got placenta issues, there's a whole bunch of things, right? But where it becomes a little bit more gray are these elective inductions, which is kind of why they did this whole big ARRIVE trial. They wanted to see if like, is it really cool if we start inducing people uh, at 39 weeks? What's going to happen? And different providers definitely have different opinions about elective inductions. So according to ACOG, quote, in addition to some conditions for which labor induction is recommended, new research suggests that inductions for healthy women at 39 weeks in their first full-term pregnancy may reduce the risk of cesarean birth. So I know that's kind of vague. Basically, they're like, this is what it said. It might be okay for some people, okay? And we're going to leave it up to the provider and the patient. They are not saying that this is now the standard and everybody needs to get induced at 39 weeks if they've made it to 39 weeks because, you know, oh gosh, it can lower your rate of C-section. They say that a 39-week elective induction might be up for discussion if it's the patient's first full-term pregnancy, if the patient is carrying only one baby, and both mom and baby are otherwise healthy. And even though a baby is considered early term at 37 weeks, I think I've done a podcast episode on this, right? Where we talked about like the different degrees of being term. So even though you're technically early term at 37 weeks, a baby born at 39 weeks versus 37 or even 38 weeks has a much better chance at healthy outcomes. That's why we're never, ever, ever, ever going to electively induce moms before that 39 week mark. With a medical indication, it's a little bit different, but just elective inductions, we don't want to do them before 39 weeks. Whether you're due in a few days or a few months, I'm guessing you'd love to feel a little more in control of your birth experience. 
This is why I'm so pumped to tell you about my brand new, totally free birth prep guide. It's got over 40 pages of info and resources to help you erase the unknowns and gain that sense of control that you deserve. There's hospital bag lists and birth plans, third trimester to-dos and freezer stocking recipes, tons of info about epidurals and medicated birth and C-sections, guided meditation tracks, and so much more. Here to help you prepare for birth, no matter how you plan to deliver, head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash birth prep to grab it now, or simply click on the link in the description of this week's episode. That's mommylabornurse.com slash birth prep to access the free birth prep guide today. Now, are inductions at 39 weeks common practice. It really depends on where you're at. Honestly, depends on your provider, depends on your place of delivery. As I mentioned before, different providers have much different opinions on 39-week elective inductions and the results of this ARRIVE trial. It's definitely not true that just because this came out, now all providers are like, oh yeah, great, let's induce all moms. Great. That's definitely not true. But there are definitely providers who are like, much more open to electively inducing because they're like, hey, there are these results. What do you want to do? How's it going? How's your pregnancy? You know, you've been low risk. Do you want to get induced? Do you not want to get induced? They're much more open to having that conversation. That's definitely happening a lot more than it was. On the contrary, though, I personally know several providers that feel very strongly about waiting until 40 weeks, 41 weeks to induce healthy first-time moms because they know the benefits of spontaneous labor, which we talked a lot about benefits of spontaneous labor on the podcast and why it is important to prep your body for labor, right? But hey, there are benefits to spontaneous labor, but now we have these uh, RAP trial uh, results and hey, there might be a benefit to electively inducing moms early. What my personal opinion is, uh, and not even my personal opinion, but it's backed in a lot of research is, hey, what's always a good idea with, you know, regards to your pregnancy, right? I'm not telling everybody to just go and do all of these things without talking to your provider. But what I'm getting at is prepping your body for labor is so, 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 so important and should be high on your priority list regardless of if you are thinking of getting induced at 39 weeks electively or if you are really wanting to go into spontaneous labor. Because I will stand by (laughs) the fact that if you have a nice prepped cervix at 39 weeks, when you show up for your elective induction, that's going to be a whole different ballgame than if you show up with a not-so-prepped cervix, okay? So glad we're clear on that. Now, Let's say you are like, hey, you know what? I want to do this. I want to get electively induced at 39 weeks. How do I even determine if I should or what I should do or, you know, how do we go about doing this? So two, this is what I tell people to ask themselves, all right? So if you want to determine whether it's right for you, think about your birth, your wishes, your desires. What do you envision your birth to be like, okay? Do you want a birth with an epidural, without one? Are you okay with continuous monitoring? You want intermittent monitoring? Are you more of a planner, right? Or are you like more of a planner in terms of 
you know, it brings you a lot of peace knowing that if you schedule your induction at 39 weeks, you know that that is the day, unless you go into labor before then, obviously. Um, but you know that that's the day and you're going to wake up and, you know, hopefully go to the hospital unless it's really busy. And sometimes we have to, you know, push our elective inductions, but that's a whole other side note. But yeah, it's just, you know, some questions that you should ask yourself. Now, I am not here saying that, you know, you can't have an epidural free birth if you get induced. Absolutely, you can. And guess what? A lot of moms who take our birth classes have done this. Very, very possible. And I witness it quite frequently at work at, you know, we're on the floor. But what I'm getting at more so is you typically have a greater chance of having an epidural free birth if you are not induced because if you have an induction, you automatically have to have continuous monitoring because we have to monitor your baby while we're up in your Pitocin. Okay. So you're going to be having continuous monitoring the whole time. You're going to also be, you know, you're hooked up to an IV pole the whole time, which again, all of this stuff, we can work around this stuff, but just want to make you aware of it. Okay. You can absolutely get in the tub. Okay. You can get in the shower if you want to. But just know you're going to have stuff connected to you. And for some moms, they're like, I still don't want to get an epidural. I'm okay with all this. Cool. For other moms, they're like, "Mm, maybe spontaneous labor, maybe waiting, you know, for spontaneous labor, hopefully for it to happen is worth that. Though, at the end of the day, no matter what you do to try and send your body into labor, you are, you know, you're doing all the things you're waiting, you know, as long as you possibly can wait. Sometimes, sometimes your body's just not quite ready and needs a little help, right? I know inductions can sometimes come with negative feelings, but I promise I see women have beautiful, beautiful and uncomplicated births following an induction all the time. I promise. So really don't stress. Okay. If you choose the induction route, just want you to be aware of kind of, you know, what's going on so you can make the best choice for you. Now, let's talk a little bit about the pros and cons of a planned induction. If you have taken or you plan on taking uh, one of my birth courses, you will see that I actually do have an entire bonus section dedicated to inductions. Yeah, and people love it. I read The Birth of a Baby this week and she referenced that. And yeah, I have people say that all the time. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that you have this whole section. I can just binge and I just, you know, it's exactly what what we did, exactly what I need to know going in. So we are going to talk about pros and cons, but just know that my birth classes are here for you if you want to learn even more. So pros, yes. Number one, I already touched on it, but convenience for sure. It might sound silly, but logistically, a planned induction is pretty darn convenient. Yeah. And this 100% a hundred percent holds true if it is not your first baby. Yeah, you got another one. You got to coordinate who's watching that other baby of yours. And it's also really convenient if you live far away from the hospital, right? You don't have to be thinking about that drive to the hospital, how long it's going to take you. When am I going to, you know, it's just a hundred percent more convenient. Another pro, possibly reduced anxiety. Okay. The final weeks of pregnancy can be stressful. We know this, right? For many reasons, but not knowing when baby will come is sometimes one of the biggest stressors. Sometimes not, but sometimes having that planned induction can just help to calm your nerves a little bit, help to ease that anxiety of the, when is this even going to happen? And like we talked about in the ARRIVE trial, it does, it has been shown to have a decreased risk of C-section. 
All right, the sound of that heartbeat means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. This one says, I took your Birth It Up, the natural series, and I had an amazing, empowering birth. This was my second time giving birth, but such a different experience than with my first in all positive ways. I labored at home, which started Friday evening, paused Saturday afternoon, and picked back up Saturday evening. Yikes. That is prodromal labor. (laughs) Just in case anybody was wondering, that is classic prodromal labor. Even went to the hospital Saturday a.m. I was three centimeters dilated, but they sent me home to labor more. That actually ended up being really reassuring because I knew baby was tolerating the contractions well. Good. I stayed home basically until my water broke at 12.45 a.m. on Sunday morning. Once it broke, the contractions were really difficult to get through, so we left for the hospital at 1.15 which was 10 minutes away. I got to the hospital and was taken to L&D via wheelchair. My son was born at 1.51 a.m. Wow, that's fast. (laughs) Delivered by the charge nurse. Oh, (laughs) 40 weeks and six days, eight pounds, one ounce, 21 inches long, 100% natural. And she put little, little like, yay hands. Like, I don't know how to say that emoji, but you know, it's like the two little hands that are like waving. (laughs) So glad with your encouragement in the course, I waited out getting induced and had a happy, healthy birth experience. Oh, I love it. If you want to have an even better birth, just like this mama, head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash courses to learn more about our three online on-demand birth classes. Now let's talk about some of the cons. Number one, that cascade of interventions. Yes, so this is a theory, but it's a theory that one intervention can lead to another intervention, which can lead to another intervention and so on and so forth, okay? So that means, you know, you already kind of come with a little bit of a bundle of interventions when you do choose an induction because like I just said, you gotta be continuously monitored and you're hooked up to an IV pole. And that cascade of interventions, when people refer to it, they're basically saying, okay, because we're getting induced, we're being continuously monitored. We might have to be in and out. The nurse is adjusting the monitors. They're interrupting your labor. You might be moving a little bit less because you're moving a little bit less. You know, your labor might stall. And because of that, you might need more Pitocin. Because of that, you might need your water broken. So it just, it's like one kind of can lead to another, right? You always have choices and all of these things, but there's just that cascade of interventions that definitely can happen and definitely that I've seen happen. Another con, it doesn't work, right? And I'll be all to, you know, having a vaginal delivery. There's definitely such things as a failed induction where we tried to get you into labor and to have a vaginal delivery, but it was unsuccessful and, you know, you need a C-section. Another con, it definitely might be stressful for your baby. So some of the medications that we use to induce labor can cause baby's heart rate to be unstable, to drop, though most of the time we can just you know, quickly intervene. We can turn that Pitocin off. We can do things to help, but that's definitely a con. Another con is definitely increased risk of bleeding after delivery. So especially if you're on Pitocin for a really, really, really long time, uh, some of these medications can cause uterine atony, which is basically where uh, your uterus is like uh, going to have a really hard time contracting uh, back after birth and clamping down those vessels. So we're going to just bleed and bleed and bleed and bleed. doesn't happen all the time, but it's definitely you, know, you have a little bit of a higher risk. 
you also have a slight increased risk of infection. And finally, it can make a non-epidural birth, which we've already talked about a little bit, a little bit more difficult to achieve. Now, let's talk about some pros and cons of spontaneous labor. So just like induction, there are some pros and cons to spontaneous labor as well, right? Number one, lower rates of interventions and complications. Yeah, spontaneous labor is definitely associated with a lower rate of labor interventions, which makes sense, and shorter hospital stays, and that is evidence-based. Number two, possible decrease in pain. Possible, (laughs) very possible, okay? Pain is definitely subjective, but I've definitely heard that people who have had both, they've had an induction, they've had spontaneous labor as well, they will say that their spontaneous labor was, uh, easier is not the right word, but it was just different. The contractions felt different than Pitocin contractions. And finally, you're avoiding induction. That's the obvious one. But by waiting for spontaneous labor, yeah, you get to check that off. A couple cons of spontaneous labor. Number one, you might not be able to get an epidural. When you have an induction, there's a very small chance that you might not be able to get an epidural if you plan for an epidural. But for the most part, if you come in and you tell me you want an epidural, unless your labor just goes crazy, speedy, fast, and oh my goodness, I was not prepared for you to get two of Pitocin and blow your baby out. Did you even have an induction? I don't even know. But um, there's a pretty good chance that we can control things and you can get your epidural. We got enough time to get your epidural if you really want an epidural. But if you go into spontaneous labor, there's not that certainty as much, okay? Because you might just go really, really quick. That definitely happens all the time. Another con, sometimes you can have diversions from your birth plan, okay? So spontaneous labor might, inductions might too, but spontaneous labor definitely might force you to make some more on-the-fly adjustments to your birth plan. And this is one reason I always, always, always recommend staying flexible with your birth wishes. Yes, birth plans are great, but being flexible is just as great. Bottom line though, with this ARRIVE trial and inductions is that an elective induction might slightly decrease your chances of needing a C-section. But aside from that, there's actually really little to no evidence that an elective induction of a healthy first-time mom at 39 weeks has much impact on complications for mom or baby. So hopefully I was able to kind of go through some of the pros and cons of elective inductions and help you kind of make that decision if you are on the fence. Again, definitely check out the birth courses because I've got a lot more information on induction than just, you know, exactly what to expect in there. But definitely discuss everything with your provider so you and your provider can come to a decision on what's best for you. All right, that is it for this episode. Next week, we are going to be talking about, I just recorded it, so you would think I would know in my head what it's about, but I don't. So it is a, oh, it's an Ask Me Anything. That's right. Okay, so we're gonna be hearing a question from you guys from the listener line, and it's about, spoiler alert, (laughs) it's about uh, epidurals and just some adverse effects and pros and cons. And yeah, it's a fun little episode, just a solo episode again. So yeah, stay tuned. Uh, We'll talk to you guys then. Already feeling a little more confident about pregnancy, birth, and newborn life? 
Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can continue to erase the unknowns and never miss an episode. And if you're looking for even more, Instagram is definitely where I hang out the most. Come join our community of more than a half a million moms for birth education, tips, and solidarity. You can find me at mommy.labornurse. Check out today's show notes and a searchable library of every Mommy Labor Nurse podcast episode at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. And while you're there, be sure to head to the blog to learn about our online birth classes too. See you next week. And remember, you can have an even better birth no matter how you deliver.